Stardate 742-1986. Welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, the kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new Star Trek and beyond. I'm your reluctant captain, Mike Garcia. With me on the view screen, we have... Mariah Gossett. Clyde Haynes. Grunt. It actually, you wrote Grunt on our sheet here, so I'm just going to say my name is Grunt. Uh, a little Freudian slip in a typo says Grunt Davis. That's my bad, sorry. Grant Davis is here with us. Hi, Grant. Howdy. Grunt. Uh, this week, we are live streaming the pod on YouTube, on Twitch, on Facebook, on Twitter, covering the fifth episode of Star Trek Lower Decks, Cupid's... Cupid's Cupid's Errant Arrow Uh, Hey Clyde, we missed you last week But you're back this week I'm back I assume you're still watching and enjoying Lower Decks Like the rest of us I am What'd you think of last week's, real quick Real quick, I thought last week's was was fun And good as usual Um, It's definitely the the Mariner show Um, Last week's I find like the, I feel like they're finding a groove that I'm really enjoying. Um, and so, yeah, no, I, I thought last week was, was great. I'll talk about how I feel about this episode. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I was uh, I, I missed talking to, to you guys about it, but I thought it was a great episode. Sweet. We will dive into episode five of Lower Decks in a sec. No free ads. But first, <laughs> Mariah has an important announcement. You need that like important announcement music for this. Just a reminder that in order to never miss an episode of this podcast, you should you should subscribe. Uh, you can do that on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube. If you need to find us on any of those platforms or any additional platforms, you can check out StarTrekPod.co. And you can also help us out by supporting this little this little uh, podcast venture of ours by going to patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. There you can make a per episode pledge. We ask a $2 pledge for you to be admitted into our exclusive Slack channel. We also try to make some bonus Patreon exclusive episodes just for our, our supporters where we'll, where we'll go in and uh, review the Kelvinverse movies, the uh, original series movies. Uh, sometimes uh, we, we talked about the Genesis ones or whatever that mm-hmm. whole arc was. And uh, Badass Ladies of Trek. We, we do a lot of series where we're doing little little Patreon exclusives. We'd love to have you guys come show your support for this project. And we try to make it worth your while. There's a great community that's already uh, shown their support. And come join them over on Slack. That's patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. Make that $2 pledge. $2. Hey, and if you are listening to us on a podcast, that's cool. Like, while you're out running errands, on your bike, on a run, in your car, love it. Thank you for listening. But if you are watching live tonight, as in right now, we want you to please participate in the live chat. And if you have a comment or question or you just want us to to address something that you're thinking about, then we want you to type in POD. That's capital P, capital O, capital D, all caps, in the chat, and we will check out your comment later on in the show. I wonder what weird places people are listening to us at. Like shower. In a bubble bath, yeah, shower. Mm. Like doing surgery. Just like have your headphones on, you're doing surgery. That'd be nice. I just got an Echo Dot, and the first thing I did was 
I said, play Star Trek Discovery Pod. And it played our last episode. Oh, That's oh. pretty cool. Like, so you no, can listen to us while you're cooking. No hesitation. Yeah. And you were like, oh, this is awful. Yeah, oh. I was like, oh, turn it off. <laughs> turn it off. No way. Just a reminder to listeners listening to the audio version of this pod. You can catch our live stream every Thursday at 9 p.m. Central. Just go to StarTrekPod.co. Click on that YouTube link. 9 p.m. Central every Thursday throughout Lower Decks, throughout uh, Discovery Season 3. Speaking of Discovery Season 3, I didn't have this on the rundown, guys, but... Oh, Mariah looks excited. We have a little Discovery <laughs> Season 3 news. A little Mariah bit of news. Can, just a little bit of news. You want to you talk about the announcement, Mariah? What was the yes, announcement? We get a little clue into Season 3. I don't know if y'all remember seeing um, this actor in the trailer, but we have now a little cue into a new character named Adri- uh, Adira, who is going to be played by Blue Del Barrio, who is our very first non-binary character on screen for for star trek um and so it's very exciting uh we also have our very first um trans actor joining the crew as well ian alexander so i'm really excited for these two to be joining the cast they both um i know ian alexander was on i think the oa previously as well as some other shows on on netflix sci-fi uh genre sort of things um and then uh, I believe Blue is fresh out of out of school, so this is their first big acting gig. So I'm very very excited for these two to join. Um, I know Wilson Cruz and Anthony Rapp have welcomed them with open arms as for, as a part of the LGBTQIA plus community uh, on Trek, and I just saw so many people who are so excited to finally see themselves represented on screen, who are part of those communities. Um, and to see them be reoccurring named characters is very, very exciting. Yeah. Very happy about that. Um, and we did see one or two of those actors in the, in the last trailer for season three. And I was like, who that? And now we know. Now we know. So I'm looking forward to season three, which is coming up in six weeks. Am I right? About six weeks. Oh, mm-hmm. man. It's going to start right after Lower Decks ends, and we will be covering it here. So does that does that make you, like, excited to get through Lower Decks, or are you disappointed that Lower Decks only has six more episodes? Uh, I'm okay with the... The rate of lower decks episodes we're getting right now. I don't. I don't want to rush through it. I'm. I'm just like, whatever. Although now that I think about it, I do want 2020 to be over. <laughs> so I'm kind of conflicted. I mean, I definitely feel like it's. Watching Lower Decks and reviewing it, this is kind of easy sailing. <laughs> I, I know that like once we move into those episodes, it's always about like taking notes. And really like looking into things, whereas like here I'm just like ah, I'm just like shooting the shit about a really fun like cartoon series here. Maybe I, that's just me. I, I'm worried that that I've built up too much for Discovery season three. Like I feel like I've been waiting for this for months and months and months, and that I I'm worried that it's not going to live up to expectation because it can't. Not that it won't be great. But just that I have it built up so high that it's going to be a letdown. That's what I'm worried about. 
Lower your expectations and <laughs> just lower them down. I can't. If Did 2020 y'all... has taught us anything, it's to it's to lower our expectations. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I was going to say, though, did y'all see that on, I believe, the 9th is Star Trek Day? I need to double check the the thing, but I I believe StarTrek.com is doing a whole series of panels in prep for Discovery Season 3. We get some time with Sonequa Martin-Green to sort of talk about what's going to be happening there. Um, And then there's some cast reunions. There's going to be some cast from Lower Decks as well. Tawny uh, Newsom will be there as well as... um, uh, uh, now I get them all confused. Rutherford. Boim, boim. Um, boim, boim. Yeah, they're all going to be there. So I'm excited. And then the Picard panel is uh, Pat- Sir Patrick Stew and uh, Jonathan Frakes. And Mariah will cover every panel on the live platform. I honestly looked at my calendar and I was like, what can I cancel? Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Thanks for covering that, Mariah. Yeah. You're welcome. Appreciate it. <laughs> Okay, let's talk Lower Decks. Episode 5 is titled Cupid's Errant Arrow. Written by Ben Joseph, directed by Kim Arndt. This is the one where the, uh, I think the show dropped more Trek references slash Easter eggs per minute than ever before. (laughs) I want to say. Uh, This is also the one where we meet Boimler's girlfriend, voiced by Gillian Jacobs from Community. And we also meet Lieutenant Commander Ron Emanuel Docent Jr., played by Matt Walsh, who goes a little crazy chasing Tendi and Rutherford on uh, a bigger, better, faster ship called the Vancouver. And lots of other stuff happens. Um, We're going to dive into it. If you're new here, viewer, listener, whatever, you're probably familiar with other podcasts giving you their hot takes on things. But since this is Star Trek Discovery Pod, we don't give you hot takes. No, we sir. give you hot freaks. Hot freaks. Was wow. that your like Scooby Doo Yeti hot freak call? I think a Yeti just crawled out of the woods. Raggy, did you My say something? I can't hear you anymore, me. Mariah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> are you guys talking? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Very <laughs> muffled hot freaks uh, shout from. Baron Von Grant. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Didn't want to wake the kids, I see. All right. Okay. Uh, who's supposed to start here? Let's uh, let's have Clyde start. He wasn't here last week. What would you think about this episode, Clyde? Hot, hot freak. Uh, I'm just going to say I love this episode. It may have been one of my favorites. I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out there. Um, I love the references. I literally laughed out loud a number of times. Um. You know, I don't want to give too much away, but a Kirk Sunday with a splash of Trip Tucker. I mean, I almost like did a spit take at that moment. Um, I just thought there were all these little moments that maybe it was maybe it was kind of fan service. This episode, it was hardcore TNG. Um, I mean, it was really hardcore TNG, but I just thought it was funny. Um, I really enjoyed it. I, this is one that I think I enjoyed more on the first watch than the second watch, oddly enough. Um, but I, I just, it, the second watch, it the whole Boimler-Barbara kind of love story was kind of like, oh, I see what was going on here. And it was less enjoyable the second time around. But the first time it didn't bother me. Um, the Rutherford 
Tendi B plot was hilarious both times. So I enjoyed this episode. All right, Mariah. Yeah, I loved it for multiple reasons. One, I am originally from Vancouver, and I have to tell you, there are crazy amounts of Vancouver references all over the ship. Like the 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 shuttle pods are all Maple. named all named after neighborhoods in Vancouver. And so it's like they go above and beyond with these tiny details that it just blows my mind. Um, so I really enjoyed myself on that. Uh, I also, it's like on my second watch, I sat there and thought about, you know, being someone who is from Canada, but has lived in the United States for a majority of my life at this point, but has the option to return to Canada. Them talking about the Cerritos versus the Vancouver, I was like, this is my internal struggle every day. <laughs> like, <laughs> do I transfer to the Vancouver where everything is a little bit nicer? There's still problems, but it seems so much more obtainable. And, you know, the, the problems are, you know, uh, more tangibly available to fix versus the Cerritos, which is just actively falling apart on itself every single day. <laughs> um, so, so it hit, close to home for me on a personal level. But uh, overall, I really enjoyed the plot line. I think there's a lot of really smart, funny jokes. Um, my favorite being that once on my on my second watch, I realized when Barb and Boimler first see each other, she takes a deep sniff of him mm -hmm. and says, I'm just so happy to be around you. And I was like, oh, this is so, they layer in so much stuff. And so I just think I, I'm having a great time watching this show and I really love this episode. Grant Davis. Uh, I don't know if this one resonated as much for me as you guys. I I liked it well enough. I think I've, you know, the the plot with with Boimler and Mariner and uh, his girlfriend. It it felt very familiar at a certain point where you, I just kind of was expecting a lot of the beats of Mariner going too far, of Boimler going too far, and jeopardizing the the quality of his his relationship the the twist at the end with boimler being infected is is tragic and funny and i thought it was a really good payoff so i appreciated that aspect um but i i also i don't know i i feel like once again with with tendy and and rutherford it fe it's feeling a little bit one note with that their relationship is kind of still bonded by their obsession with with tech and there's there's a, a love and passion and a little bit of competitiveness there but we've already kind of seen that in other episodes and so it, it, it felt just kind of like a little bit more of a repetition for me and then the 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 species that won't do anything to save itself is all too real and depressing. <laughs> I, I felt um, so the jokes they're mining out of that. I'm like, ha, 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 that's 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 how yeah. it is. Please, <laughs> please stop killing yourself, guys. <laughs> this is what we're doing here. So I don't know. I, I think that I I liked it. I thought it went at a pretty good clip, and it it still feels cozy as a show. It's comfortable for me to watch, but this one didn't have anything in particular that really like shined through and was like, oh, you're going to remember how great this episode was. So it's okay for me. Yeah, I feel you, Grant. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I enjoyed it a lot and I laughed 
a lot. And as an old school Trek fan, I really enjoyed all the jokes that hinged on references to TNG and DS9. We even got a flashback with uh, Mariner in the uh, the first contact uniform and the later season DS9 uniform, which was fun and exciting for me as a Star Trek nerd. All this stuff was cool. Like you said, the show is feeling really cozy. Like I talked last week that the show already just four or five episodes in already has a point of view, already has an identity. It's not like shuffling around too much, trying to find itself. It knows what it's doing. It knows what it's saying. It has its voice pretty well established. And that trend continued here. Um, but one of the downsides of the show feeling cozy is that it's already starting to feel a little repetitive. Um, you guys know, I love Mariner. She's like one of my favorite star Trek characters of all time. She's just so entertaining. Um, and I love the idea of a, a slacker genius in Starfleet. Um, but her, uh, dynamic with Boimler, is just starting to get a little too repetitive in terms of like, she doesn't believe in him. He's kind of a sack of shit <laughs> and he always gets screwed over and she's always right. It's kind of what we've seen every episode so far. So I'm hoping that we can kind of either break out of that or just have a, a change up, you know, even though some expectations that we had in this episode were, uh, were kind of flipped on their head. Um, it does seem like we're, getting into a repetitive cycle with that relationship. And also Grant, like you said, with the Tandy and Rutherford B plots that don't really, that are just kind of slight and cute and sometimes a little weird and don't really amount to much. Uh, they're diverting, but not, there's not a lot of meat there. Um, what I did enjoy the most was the C plot with uh, the captain trying to broker this deal with these, I don't know, MAGA heads, <laughs> these anti-vaxxers, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Vote Fair. blue, everybody. Um, yeah. So that was funny. And the, the fact that it all uh, uh, ended up being, uh, the, the problem there was just, oh, we're just going to blow up some rich guy's condo. That's fine. That's fine. That was great. Mm -hmm. That was a good joke at the end. Uh, so I was kind of mixed on this one, but I did laugh out loud. I did have a lot of fun. Uh, um, maybe I'm just, uh, wanting to get out of the rut we've kind of settled in with these character dynamics. The, and Mike, this is what we were kind of discussing last week where mm -hmm. I was lamenting a little bit, the idea of the episodic nature of this show and how I really want them to kind of grab onto a, a more, a more of a, a plot heavy arc. Because once I have something like that to latch onto, I, I feel like it'll feed direction for all of these characters. They, they now suddenly have a little bit more of a goal. They're goal-oriented toward whatever that plot is. And, and not just a, a rehash of what their character dynamic is. Because at this point, I get it. I feel it. But the world of Trek is too rich and interesting for me to just want to settle on character dynamics in inside this ship and occasionally like outside of the ship, but it's still just them and how they're relating. Yeah. I, th I think the, 
the thing about this show is it really is done by the team that did Rick and Morty. And so it has that episodic kind of, we're going to root you in the characters. But each episode, you're going to see more about the characters. But what's actually happening kind of on the planet is less critical to the to the overall story, right? It's almost a vehicle, right? I mean, can you even remember the names of the places that, that Rick and Morty go to? Like, it's, it's, it's like random everywhere. Yes. Like, there'll be moments and characters that stick out. Um, but I think that overall, what we're looking at is they're just plot devices, vehicles, for us to get to know a little bit more. And I think, Mike, to your point, maybe you're looking... To, to say, hey, we were moving at a rate where we were learning more about the characters, and now it doesn't feel like we're, we're still uncovering anything new. And I think that's fair. I don't know that I learned anything about our four main characters today other than this is the first time we've seen that Mariner was wrong, right? That's we also got a kind of, uh, I don't know, it felt almost like a, a revelation for Mariner that she has deeper feelings for Boimler that she was finally willing to kind of open up and admit to, to uh, Boimler's girlfriend, quote unquote, to be like, you know, I really do care about him. And I, not in a romantic necessarily way, maybe they want to go that direction, but it seems they want to kind of reserve that for her relationship with that one dude, Ransom. Um, (laughs) But it did seem like, uh, you know, a strengthening of a relationship bond for her with Boimler when she's been standoffish the other episodes. And I appreciated that a little bit. Well, let me, yeah. so let me ask, did, did any, was that new information to any of you? Did, were you surprised that, that, that she looked at him as a really good friend? I mean, to me, I think we finally moved past her thinking of him as just being like, a dumb dumb like when she says that like i know he's a nerd but he's my nerd i think it's her admitting you know like yes we just rehashed all of these silly quirky things he's done that because he hasn't had all of these real life experiences but i think she's trying to i can almost feel her being like i want to impart my real life experiences onto him and in this moment, I can finally see her starting to be like, she's learning something from him in these mm. interactions in some way, shape, or form. Even after he hits his head and he really just has a parasite there. <laughs> but because she's figuring out, you know, it feels like, uh, you know, and we get a little bit more of her backstory here where she does seem to have friends when she's on this other ship. But because she's had to sort of bounce around a lot, I would imagine that she is a little standoffish on making deeper connections with people because she doesn't stick around in the same place for very long um, is what I've sort of gathered. And like in that flashback, she looks, looks like it's a a cartoon, but it, it seems to me they're trying to depict her as much younger, you know? So because she's been in Starfleet for so long at this point or involved or around it because of her parents, you know, she's sort of been jaded by all of this and Boimler's undying love and like uh, admiration for Starfleet is like the opposite of where she's at now. Um, mm-hmm. 
So I know like this trope of these two being sort of our, usually our A plot because Tawny Newsom is our, our star of this show, right? You know, I'm hoping we are going to get more of Rutherford and, and, and Tindy in with Mariner in these different plots that we get to see them more often. Um, but the other thing I wanted to comment was I, I also really enjoyed that we did finally get to see Captain Freeman be a really good captain. Like we got to see what she's actually good at doing, hmm. which is apparently what no one else can do, which is negotiate with hard headed people who only want to persevere for their own self interest. So we need a captain Mariner. Who is she? How do we get her? Where can I vote for her? <laughs> I would like to see that. <laughs> oh, captain Freeman. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's debatable. I mean, my first question would have been how many people will die on that planet? Well, he said my people. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Get get I, that number. Get get the stats up front. Yeah, get the stats. I I do want to mention that there are some people in the chat saying that uh, Mariner was wrong this time, like P. W. Gregory mm-hmm. here. And I know earlier I mentioned, oh, Mariner's always right. Boimler's always Boimler always gets screwed. But um, I think what I meant by that was that it's half and half, right? <laughs> what's that? I mean, uh, there it, was a parasite. <laughs> the, she she was right that the relationship wasn't pure. Exactly, she was level. right that the that Boimler couldn't really get this really great, smart, attractive girl all by himself. So something had to be up. She was right about that. She was wrong about the details. Anyway, the old dynamic of she she knows better was there again, and he gets screwed. It's kind of repeating ourselves, but the details were fun. I enjoyed Gillian Jacobs. It was okay. Uh, I want to I wanna ask you all a quick question. I, can, I kind of alluded to it earlier. Uh, I asked this during the first season of Star Trek Picard. And that question is, is Mariner a dick? Or more specifically, is she too much of a dick that it makes the show less enjoyable? And here's why I asked this. In this episode, Mariner can't fathom that Boimler, Boimler could ever attract a nice intelligent attractive person unless this person was a parasite or was hiding some secret evil agenda or not really in love with him and i've read some commentary today saying that she's just this huge dick for thinking that and i can see where those arguments are coming from but i don't agree with them because boimler is obviously a wet fart of a starfleet officer and (laughs) why do you hate boimler so much (laughs) But she Mariner, was, he, he was and, hit her boing boings. And, and like I said, Mariner was partially right. It was a parasite <laughs> on Boimler that was doing a lot of the work in this relationship. But yeah, the question is, is Mariner a dick? And is the dynamic of her kind of being a dick, but always right? And Boimler being dumb and getting screwed, feeling old? It's a six-part question. Please answer now. <laughs> Keep your answers very brief. Look, I, I don't, I, I don't think, I don't think so. I mean, I feel like if you've ever had a friend who's shown up with someone who, I, I'm just gonna say, it, who seems like way outside their league, if that's ever happened, part of you goes, "How, right? <laughs> How did this happen?" It's relatable dickishness. It's like. <laughs> I know this guy, or I know her. <laughs> Why? What's wrong with you? <laughs> right? And they directly show in her past 
which was tragic. It was actually a really tragic right. backstory. Yeah. But they show in her past one of her best friends had a a guy she she was dating who turned out to be this like shape shifting alien that ate her. Well, like, her best friend was killed in front of her, and this is like a little slice of what is going on with like like you were saying, Mariah, jaded Mariner's kind of new perspective on on Starfleet, on Trek, on the universe. But we, so yes, she's a dick. But we, but we but also like- see. You got to remember, we also see in like the pilot or the second episode that he was about to make out with a creature that was trying to put eggs in his his like throat or something like that. So she's got some history there that would lean toward her being a little overprotective. Um, and you know, if, if you think about who Barb has dated before, right? You look at Jet. And then you look at Boimler, you kind of go, hmm, I don't, I don't quite get it. And so w- did she take it too far? Absolutely. Right. Like she absolutely take it too far. She took it too far. Um, but I can respect her being kind of confused. Mariah, what say you? Yeah. I mean, I think her history dictates her always being a little suspicious. And I mostly took her suspicion to be from a place of a friend. Like, Uh do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like she's like, who is this girl? Why is she interested in my friend? Not in the way. I mean, it definitely comes off as like, he's a dum dum and she's a hot, smart person. So why? But I think she knows he's not actually that dumb and so she's feeling very protective because she's seen a friend get her face melted off by a hot alien before so why wouldn't she be suspicious um yeah i mean the other i it's like it's really bad but funny when i was thinking about uh that dynamic of this episode i thought about um christina hendrix and her spouse jeffrey Arend, have you ever seen a picture of the two of them together? Yes. <laughs> <Mm-mm>, no. <laughs> He's the so, guy from Super Troopers who was like, the snozberries taste like snozberries. Yes. And that's all he's done. <laughs> he's he's a very <laughs> funny writer. Like he, you know, he is a very talented person in his own right. But when you see pictures of the two of them together, you sometimes wonder why. I don't think they're together anymore. Oh, I don't know. I think it recently they, they're not. I mean could be but it happened and so it, it did happen <laughs> mm-hmm. and so in my mind i was like i could see why like if if i was christina hendrix's friend and she brought this guy i'd be like what what is it about this person that you're really into <laughs> and not me. to say that like looks are always the thing and i think that was something they were you know, trying to sort of balance was I appreciate when they don't just make looks the ultimate punchline because I think right. it's lazy. And I think she was more like, God, she's a lieutenant. And God, she's so smart and funny. Oh, and she dated this like incredible other person on this ship, um, you know, and uh, she's just confused about the partnership in general. Right. Um, now- but I did love him replicating all of the coolest clothes in boys size small i laughed out loud and wearing them at at the same time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean look i i've again i think she took it too far but i agree with mariah and the fact that it came from a what i think was a, a healthy friendship place and look as a star trek nerd i always want the nerd guy to get the hot girl always right i root for that um, I mean, I, I outkicked my coverage in my marriage, so 
hey, I want everybody to outkick their coverage. But I've also had friends who have been the target of women dating them for money, right? Not like for money, but because they had the cushy internship that paid more money than the other college kids. Um, And so they were buying gifts and taking people out to dinner. I've seen it happen. So I think as a friend, you have to go, hey, what are the motivations here? Is there something off before you could really kind of embrace them as, oh, wow, like I really support this. I, again, I think, you know, by the time she cut Barb's hair, I was like, okay, you're... <laughs> you know, you you guys are reminding me that her obsessive nature in this episode was really couched in her growing, um, you know, uh, devotion to, to Boimler. And I, I guess that is a bit of character growth that we're seeing because... As the episode went on, she was like not sleeping. She had bags under her eyes. Her hair was all crazy, which was a great visual gag as everything went on. And part of me, like halfway through the episode, is like, this isn't just about her being right and her suspecting something. This is about her caring about this guy. So that's some growth for sure. Uh, I I was about to bring this up, but it looked like also one of our viewers brought up the the similar subject here. Uh, Kern points out. What about Mariner's obsessive behavior to the parasite impacting her as well? It's my headcanon attempt to make me feel better about how she acted, which mm. I think is a, a really interesting point. The idea that, like, what, how does that parasite affect her and how she's opened up her about her feelings toward Boimler? Is there, is there mm. something we should maybe, maybe take a step back and and recontextualize? Yeah, was she really truly feeling that, or is is the parasite just kind of affecting how mm. she's speaking about her her feelings toward Boimler, which undercuts it sadly. Mm. But that also might explain why she was obsessed with like being a dick and really trying to uncover what's going on with that relationship. It could. It's more likely that the parasite is just a plot device to make this happen, and that that has no That's connection. True. But Good point. Also, I don't think the rules of the parasite were established. So, right. All we she was re- going to go back and study it. We're going right. to eventually gonna, learn the rules. Yeah. And I, I would love to have her back so we know more about this parasite because it was supposed to make Boimler super attractive to everybody, right? Any potential mates. Any yeah. potential mates. Okay. I guess uh, they kind of covered themselves that way. So, like, the whole crew of the Cerritos is not chasing Boimler down. Although that would have been really funny. Yeah, yeah. Or trying to like trick him in the holodeck or something. Because that's where everybody fucks in the holodeck. <laughs> you know, though, I, 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 I am still appreciating the fact that they've poked holes and make and they're making fun of of things that we've just kind of sort of taken for granted but wondered about. Like, you know, I don't do that in the holodeck anymore. And the whole time travel jokes, right? Yeah. Because there's a, I don't know, there's a 12-year-old boy in all of us that looks at the holodeck and goes. <laughs> Speaking of the holodeck, I love it when she meets um, the girlfriend. She's like, computer and program. <laughs> this is not real. Um, sp- like, out of all the uh, the... The canon jokes and the references. One of my favorite running gags with those is they're always making jokes, like little subtle jokes with the pads, with the iPads everybody uses. 
because obviously we have email, we have Slack. Mm-hmm. We don't need, you know, like in this one, Docent has the transfer order for Boimler and for Rutherford on this one pad. So they steal the pad and they cha- they get chased around the ship because he's trying to get the pad back. When in reality, shouldn't it be know, on another device? <laughs> yeah, in, in reality, in, in 2020, you know, you know, 100 years before this, oh, I, I have that on my other device. That's fine. But here, it's just the one pad, and just making fun of Star Trek continuity like that. There, there's literally like scenes in TNG where. Or I remember one in DS9 where Cisco is backed up on work and he has like a two foot stack of pads <laughs> on his desk. He's like, I got to get through all these, you know, Ferengi contracts or whatever I'm doing. Fuck. Still like, so Don't wasteful. you have email, friend? <laughs> That's digital now, buddy. All you need is one pad. Just with all the tabs. <laughs> yes. So uh, if we can jump over to talking about Tendi and Rutherford, um, can they just start dating? At this point, like, I, I feel like that relationship is no so much at that point where I'm like, y'all we, are digging each other. Do, do we you, really want to pair these characters up already? I mean, I would love to, but Grant, do you watch TV? That's not going to happen yet. One of them has to date somebody else, right? And then the other person has to date somebody else. If Tindy and Rutherford... R- Rutherford already went on a date in the first episode. Yeah, but it's we're good. It's good. We're, in, we're in the clear. They are Ross and Rachel, right? I saw and, someone in the in the chat mentioned friends earlier. And they Tendi are Ross out, and Rachel. Tendy made out with the the Q dude who uh, <laughs> saw the koala or whatever. I don't know how to talk. <laughs> the Q dude who saw the koala. You guys, the Q dude I mean. who saw the koala. I don't know. So far, I kind of appreciate that Tendy is seemingly like less interested in romantic relationships right now, just because I think especially the Orion's like Orion women have been so hyper sexualized throughout the series that it's sort of nice to be able to see way more of at least who she is as a character and how she functions within the Federation and using more of her smarts and her charm to sort of like move her way through rather than having to be like someone's romantic interest. Um, do I think it would be adorable? Of course. Am I hoping someone is making some sort of cute hashtag that is their names <laughs> smushed together? Tenderford. Tenderford? Absolutely. Rathindy? Rathindy. I hope they stretch it out a little bit longer and we just get to know them as friends for a while. Yeah, I'm all for um, this show more like doing the work to normalize... Um, friendships between men and women you know it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be you know it doesn't else i mean it often is but it doesn't Mm -hmm. but but then let's have (laughs) boimler get with rutherford or something i need a relationship dynamic that kind of throws throws things off a little bit because it works guys that's why it's in all the shows you want a relationship that has that kind of like chemistry that throws everything off and and pushes the plot well, then well, I think the one we're going to get is Ransom and Mariner, because that yeah. would be the one that causes the most chaos. Yes. That's the one I want to see. I mean, I'm, that one was, that's actually been the most interesting teaser of a relationship that I've seen so far, right? That wouldn't be the, that would be the one that'd be fun to watch, I think. What if it's Boimler and uh, Captain Freeman, then? I don't want to see <laughs> Boimler date anybody. I'm going to be honest. Like, oh. it's just, 
I'm just not interested How in Boimler's... How that would destroy his relationship with Mariner would be so great, though. <laughs> Maybe we'll get... I think I've made this comparison before, but, like, the the Parks and Rec situation where uh, Captain Freeman comes on to Boimler without knowing about the relationship between Boimler and, and Mariner. Mm. <laughs> Much like... Uh, um, Ben in Parks and Rec when he goes to see Leslie's mom and then Leslie's mom hits on him. Do you guys remember that? Right. But, but again, this goes back to the whole issue of do, does everyone else on the ship know that Mariner is the daughter of Freeman? Because I don't know. She still seems to be operating under a system where no one's addressing that. So we don't know. Yeah. Boimler doesn't know at least. And if they used it as a big reveal in the show, like a secretive reveal where it seems like, yeah, no one, no one else is making mention of it. Oh, that's true. Someone just brought up the fact is, is Freeman still married to the Admiral or not? That might be a point of contention. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, she called him like sweetie or darling during their conversation. So I think yeah, they are right before um, he hung up on her. <laughs> yeah. If we're talking about B plot, I thought the, uh, one of the best parts of the B plot was the clammy and unhinged character of Ron Docent. <laughs> that that was really funny. Yes. Uh, oh man! For me, the best part of the B plot with Tendi and Rutherford was the reveal that being on a starship like the Vancouver, which seems to deal with all kinds of like crazy, bizarre, high stakes space adventures, like the Enterprise always did, that that can kind of screw you up, especially if you're just like this bald middle manager who just wants to push a button all day. Man. Like this, I love exhausting. I love yeah. that Matt Walsh voiced that character. Yeah. I, I, if anyone else has seen Veep, this was this felt like the logical jump of that character into Star Trek, and I was like, "Oh, I love this so much." <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, you know, Mike, you always refer to this as an office kind of workplace comedy, and to me, that was perfect because what they poke fun at and kind of really, I guess revealed to us is if you actually worked and lived on a starship that was tormented by cues, uh, Borg, time travel, travelers, like all these things every week, that would actually screw you up. You'd be walking around with PTSD like all the time. But yet what we do is we got 10 seasons of that. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> right. So I appreciate they go, you know, that's kind of insane to live that way. I like that the show brought that joke up, but I wish it would have leaned into it more. Like that B plot was mostly just Tandy and Rutherford having this kind of mean spirited competition that was kind of intermittently funny. But like I liked when he boosts his cyborg tech to to like beat mm-hmm. her at the scanning race. But as most of the ble- the B plots with Tendi and Rutherford are, it was cute but kind of slight. But it was kind of weird how crazy they were acting towards the end. I was almost convinced that they and uh, the docent guy were possessed or like being influenced by some evil force because they were acting so chaotic. I mean, he phasered Rutherford twice in right. the turbo lift. So after I realized, oh, nothing is really influencing him to be this way. It's just how it is. Oh yeah. This show is a satire. Go with it. That's. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it feels kind of like I don't feel like we're going to get hmm. 
any other big developments with this show if those are kind of the ways they're just going to keep going with these episodes then. Yeah, but Mike, I agree with you. I actually thought the same thing. I was waiting to find out that everybody on the Vancouver had a parasite in them. Or was being affected somehow. Somebody was acting pretty extreme. Yeah. And then you're right. Actually, now that I think about it, at the result of that, the resolution was that no, there was nothing wrong with him except for he was crazy with PTSD because yeah. he's been in these week to week kind of confrontations with yeah, weird it stuff. paid off it paid off pretty well though. Yeah. Yeah. I did like that Rutherford had the the wherewithal to hit that little record button on his eyepiece because he's just like <laughs> Oh, this is, I need to have this so I can hold it over your head so I can get whatever I want, which I thought was kind of a fun new point to Rutherford that we really hadn't seen was like, yes, he's very smart, but we can also see he can play a little bit outside of the rules in order to get what he wants, which is to be better at his job. So it's like the the ethics and morality of Rutherford are very interesting to me. <laughs> I saw some commentary of like, why do Rutherford and uh, Tendi, why are they so obsessed with getting this T-88? We're in a a post-scarcity society. Can't they just replicate that? And, you know, at the end, they steal like 20 of them, which was pretty hilarious. Mm -hmm. Uh, My headcanon is that, and I think they even mentioned this on the show, those aren't even out yet. So maybe the uh, tricorders aren't programmed with that design. So you can't, you know, you can't make them. Yeah, I would assume that their replicators are not up to snuff if, every, if everything is like, if they have plasma fires all the time that they have to put out to the point where the ship smells like burnt marshmallows, there's probably not a great way to replicate the, the, the 88s. <laughs> right. Do y'all get the sense that we're going to get an episode where Rutherford's eyepiece goes f- on the fritz and suddenly he starts acting in a bizarre way and... Um, He's uncontrollable and they just have to like do everyone else has to like band together to stop Rutherford. I I think if the show does something like that, it'll be a gag that runs in the background. I don't think it'll be a main plot. I think this show is this show isn't um, as clever as we had Gillian Jacobs on. It's not as clever as Community, but it's not the Big Bang Theory either. Like it's not stupid, bro. (laughs) You know, you know, it'll be a. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it won't do anything that obvious. I think I'm still holding out for my Tuca and Birdie theory, in that we have a lot of fun and are really silly the first half of the season, and then we get a plot line that sort of carries through the back half. Now that we're more established with these characters, um, but you know, we'll see. And the preview for next week didn't really give us anything either, which gives me some hope because typically if the preview doesn't tell you anything, it's because whatever is the main plot line is important. So, Mm. you know, I I gotta say that I kind of think that the trailers are amazing. Like every time I see the trailer for next week, I laugh and go, Oh man, that's going to be great. Yeah, the the warp core like drone, which I think you can. There's like uh, white noise machines. You can have warp core as an option. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely. I mean, I admit I, I'm being a little bit grouchier and harder on this episode <laughs> than I need to. But I, I I feel like now that we broached the conversation in the last episode, I'm I'm just eagerly awaiting what you're kind of pitching there, Mariah. I want. I want the stakes to be raised. I want something else to develop that 
that that pushes them toward a, an ongoing thread plot line because the ship that's just this B-class ship that's popping in on these little inane adventures right now, I'm like, I need more sticks. I, I need to invest myself a little bit more in what these characters are doing and and have a little bit of weight. I know it's still a cartoon, so I'm not afraid of one of the main characters dying or something, but still, I want something else. Well, yeah, I guess I guess I can sympathize with that a little bit, but being the old Star Trek head that I am, I did really enjoy all the references. Uh, Mariah, Clyde, you guys are the old Star Trek heads, too. Okay, tell me what was one of your favorite, which was the best reference or gag? Uh, Riker being Docent's password to his pad. Uh, the fact that Boimler insists that the girlfriend is, quote, as real as a hopped up cue on Captain Picard Day. Uh, Boimler bringing, uh, bringing her the teddy bear that looks like Jordy for some reason. <laughs> uh, Boimler referring to Brinson as good looking as or referring to uh, what was the her ex's name? Oh, uh, t- t- to it was uh, voiced by. I looked this up. Is voiced by Marcus Henderson, who okay, Jet, uh, Jet, Jet. Mm-hmm. yeah, calling Jet uh, as good looking as K- a Kirk Sunday with a uh, trip Tucker sprinkles Enterprise reference for you there, or the reference to um, the Toga people who kill you for walking on the grass, just like TNG. I mean. I, I love so many of them. I think the line that was the best is the Kirk Sunday with the with the trip Tucker sprinkles. Yeah, I, I love that line. Um, but kind of on the Slack channel, James Worm said um, he's got no interest in a, a Sunday, but maybe a seven layer dip of nine with some carrot chip carrot chips. Um, so, Whoa! <laughs> oh boy! Thought that That's was oddly one. specific. Yes, yeah, a deep cut. <laughs> deep um, I like no, it. I I love that. I really did love that line. That's probably one of the best lines of the series so far. Let's uh, before we jump into some listener comments and questions a little more. Uh, two things: no cold open this week. Right? Uh, why? Yeah. I was first. I was like, did they run out of time and cut it? But this is streaming, so no. I think mm. sometimes it's like if you want to focus a lot on plot and you don't want to have to just write a sort of throwaway um, scene, you typically cut the cold open. Um, It's also, you know, this episode primarily took place on the Vancouver, so I'm not sure if they're treating it as like a bottle episode, but Um, In the flashback that I talked about earlier, Mariner Mariner's on the USS uh, Quito, and the uniforms they wear are the later DS9 First Contact movie uh, uniforms. I looked it up. Those debuted in Star Trek in tw- uh, 2373, which is seven years prior to this episode. But in the flashback, the characters are discussing the events of that TNG two-parter about lore and the Borg as if that just happened. And that was in 2370, which is a full decade prior to this episode. So... The timing was kind of off there. I'm making you do math. I'm sorry. 
But so you're there saying was there's like a, a three year a three year gap between yeah. the events they were talking about. Exactly, it was three year gap. So I thought that was odd, since the writers of this show typically really know what they're doing in terms of like their Trek canon. But yeah, so what? Hey, Mike, I'm just happy because you've just out nerded me. Um, <laughs> so you're making me happy. Take the crown. Yes, because because that reference that is a true like trekky like looking at going mm, i don't well, know yeah, about I that reference like, they're in the first contact uniforms but that episode they're talking about was like three four years before this and it's just like hey you know what happened yesterday i can i can see grant's <laughs> eyes glazing over yeah. <laughs> what i remember there was a, a a time continuity issue in uh spider-man homecoming with the very intro <laughs> sequence where uh Michael Keaton's daughter drew a picture when he's cleaning up after the Avengers. And then it jumps ahead five years. I'm like, she's not that age if five years later she's in high school. So um, I'm right there with you. (laughs) I just wanted to make an obscure uh, or a a different tangential reference for Clyde, who's always keeping count. I I mean, I'm not going to say anything because we're almost through the show and you haven't done what I'm waiting for you to do. So... Just take lost. <laughs> there we go. Got it. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I'll just say the word real quick. Moving on. Um, what else? All right. Was I I'm say running about... through these comments. Are, you want? Oh, okay, I here. wanted to. Uh, oh, okay. Oh. I was going to list off. I like all of her in disguise moments when she does like the big long ramble, and I'm glad you put it here. It's a Romulan spy, a salt succubus, an android, a changeling, one of those sexy people in rompers who murder you for going in the grass, a Dolphin, a surgically altered Cardassian spy, a transporter duplicate, a Solbian, a reptoid, or possibly possessed by a parasite. <laughs> so many things that'll kill you in Star Trek. So great. Um, one of our questions from, or one of our, yeah, questions from the listeners. Chupi says, we weren't off ship in this episode. Did that perhaps hamper the episode for you? I think we didn't go off ship much didn't go last- at all last week. And that was probably my favorite episode so far. So no, although I do like exploring strange new worlds. Yeah, well, we got new people. Got- Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, we still got, uh, you know, a new uh, alien species we got to get introduced to. We got to see them, you know, working on a planet, but not, you know, on the planet. And they blew up a moon. How cool <laughs> was that? <laughs> that um, never happened on TNG. Marg says, uh, so is this series more like Friends? <laughs> it's kind of like a hangout show. It's like a hangout sitcom. Yeah. yeah. The one where Boimler gets a parasite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, people are saying in the comments, like Marge here says, she agrees with Kara, who commented earlier, who mentioned that Mariner and Barb actually had romantic chemistry. Uh, what do you think? I think so too. They had I thought so. Yeah, they. Had I a, mean, they a lot wrestled. More chemis- they bonded. They're gonna go play this game with each other in a month. Maybe oh. this is the romantic uh, relationship we're gonna get. Mariner had a lot more chemistry with Barb than Boim Barb Boim with did. Boim. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll say that. Yeah. Grant is leaving us. Grant is leaving us. Bye, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Grant Davis has lost, left the building, y'all. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be fun. I'd also like Jillian Jacobs to come back. I really enjoy her as a as a guest spot, so we'll see if anything else comes from that that character. Yeah, that would or, be great. The sure. guest spots on this are great. Um, I read somewhere that 
like there have been three or four guest spots from people on this show who were in Veep. Mm-hmm. So we're just now counting the days till Ju- Julia Louis Dreyfus <gasps> shows up on this show. Don't even. That would be a dream. Yeah, and uh, Marcus Henderson, who plays the boyfriend, is um, he played uh, um, what's his name, Walter in Get Out. If you remember that, oh yeah, the, the running guy. Right on, right on, right. So. On. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Very exciting. So, I guess if we're ranking the episodes. Is this one more at the the top for you guys? We've gotten five episodes so far, right in the middle of the season. Is the show getting better? Is it flatlining? Is it getting worse? How are you feeling? I feel like I'm enjoying the pace of these episodes more. It's less like uh, the the plot isn't having to move so quickly in order for us to continue to enjoy it, which I am liking. Um, I also have just enjoyed learning more about these characters. But as I was saying earlier, I'm still definitely holding out for some larger plot point that's going to carry us through to the back half of the season. Um, But I thought the pilot was still so good. And so I think the pilot still holds like a pretty high spot for me at this point. Yeah, I think it's plateauing just a bit, Um, but not in a bad way. I, I think it's just kind of holding steady it's you know i was i was talking to someone recently and i you know there's so much tv out today i'm trying to judge how what are the things that mark a great show um and it's things like you know the show comes out on thursday and it's tuesday and i i can't wait or i'm annoyed that there's not another episode for me to watch because i i I got i have to know what happens next um i'm tired the next day at work because i've been i stayed up late watching it stuff like that and i'm not quite there with with any of those things for this show you know it was like oh it's thursday and we're potting tonight yeah, I'll have to make sure that I watch the, the episode. But if we weren't po- podcasting tonight, say we were podcasting on Saturday, it, it still might be Saturday before I watch the show. Like, I, I'm looking forward to watching it, but it's not a, like, wake up in the morning and it's the first thing I do. So our listeners are chiming in on this question. Uh, Home Chicky says, I think the show is continuing to grow and getting funnier. Uh JC says it's consistently solid and good. I feel the same way. It's just consistently decent. It's not like uh, like like you, Clyde. It's not dragging me to the TV every week, you know, to watch it. But but I am really enjoying it. I think it's consistent. I think it's it's pretty good. Um, and Carolyn K says this one was really solid, and that is probably maybe the best thing you could say about this show. It's just consistent and solid so far it knows what it is and it's it, doing its thing it, pretty well it's reliable but it's mm-hmm. it's not compelling and captivating yet word on that note thanks for spending an hour talking about a show that's not compelling or captivating with us i don't agree with any of you but that's fine i watch this the first thing i wake up i make my coffee i watch this show i watch it again an hour before we pod hey i have a good time with it man yeah, just like P.W. Gregory says, I keep laughing, I keep watching. I laughed a lot during Love this it. episode, and I need laughs. 
in 2020. So yeah. thank you. Uh, CBS, you can uh, cut my check. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even joke about that, man. <laughs> the trolls will come for us. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. I wish. Uh, if yeah. you want to look at my taxes, you can be very clear. I do not get money from CBS. Um, <laughs> oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> hey, CBS, if you're listening, right? I will take a check. Right? If you want to write me a CBS. check, come on. Cut I'll the check, Viacom. <laughs> okay, thank you so much for joining us on the pod this week. Remember, you can find us live on YouTube every Thursday, Talking Trek. And, of course, we will be covering Lower Decks every single week. Come back next Thursday, 9 p.m. Central. The pod drops a little later uh, for the audio listeners. Go to StarTrekPod.co to subscribe. Patreon.com slash StarTrekPod is where you can also go to help support this little podcast project of ours we appreciate all the support you guys have given us thus far and if you go there you can make that two dollar an episode pledge you can get our whole entire backlog back catalog of episodes of exclusive stuff that we posted just for our patrons you'll have access to that and you can join us over on the slack channel so patreon.com slash star trek pod do it also if you have a few extra moments we would really appreciate if you left us a review specifically on apple Podcasts. it helps us move up the charts and we appreciate that and we appreciate you five stars please and just want to remind you all that you can follow us on twitter on instagram at star trek pod tweet about the episode let people know that you listen that you watch that you love to chat about trek um, also, as always, let's shout out to Karen, who helps run our Twitter, and James Worm, our seven of nine Kira Layer with Chips dip. fan, uh, who runs our Insta. All right. And I know Grant mentioned the Patreon, but I do want to recommend everybody uh, jump on that Patreon bandwagon. We've covered so many Star Trek movies where recently we covered all the Kelvin movies. Actually, we haven't covered Star Trek Beyond. Got one more. So that is coming up. And uh, I want to do something a little special for that one. And to find out what that special thing is, you're going to have to sign up at patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. Andrew's Elba coming on that one? Is that what's happening, Mike? Are you going to co-host with us? I'm not not saying no. All right. Thank (laughs) you so much for joining us on Star Trek Discovery Pod. Clyde, where can we follow you online? On Twitter, you can reach me at, at Clyde Haynes or on the web at www.keyandclyde.com. That's K-E-I and Clyde.com. Mariah. I'm at Mariah Gossett on all platforms. It's Mariah with a Y and a Gossett with two S's and two T's. Grant Davis. You can follow me at Baron Von Grant over on Twitter, over on Instagram. I also do some other podcasts. You can check me out uh, with The Beerists. TheBearist.com, or you can follow us on social media. Every Monday, we have a new episode come out where I review craft beer. It's kind of crass, kind of filthy, a little bit lowbrow. So, uh, you know, go in with those sort of expectations. Just like you, Grant. Just like me. (laughs) Um, I also uh, occasionally pop on to the TV Dudes podcast where we talk about all things TV. And I was on there this week, as a matter Mm. of fact. So I think that episode comes out. Uh, Friday, tomorrow. You guys can check that out. And uh, let's see. I think I do a, a. I used to do a Watchmen podcast, but that doesn't happen mm-hmm. anymore. I do a video game one sometimes. And are you follow me on Twitter. Uh, Just doing his whole catalog. <laughs> hey Grant, right here. are you still uh, doing uh, <laughs> Twitch streams of you playing that weird cookie game? Oh yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I 
I did try out Twitch like <laughs> the last week, and I think Mariah, you were my only watcher. On yeah. that. <laughs> you popped in, you're like, your audio sucks. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that is thanks. such a Mariah thing to say. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, don't, don't follow me over on Twitch I, until I figure out what I'm doing over there. <laughs> Mike. Follow me on Twitter at Mike M. Garcia, where I mostly tweet about Star Trek. Uh, come back to watch the live pod next Thursday, 9 p.m. Central. Till then, live long and prosper. <laughs>